Welcome back to the Rule Your Pool podcast. This is episode 44, and too much demand from the audience. Joe Swayze is back in studio. Joe, welcome back to the podcast, Glad my to man. be here, Eric. I know. It has been so difficult to try to get you nailed down, but we got you now. <laughs> this is, this is well, like the it's, one... It's fun. This is like the so. one week this month that you are available, and I'm really glad we were able to make it happen. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's an important topic. Well, I'm I'm excited about this because this is your area of expertise, and it is not mine. And you get to lead an episode. This is going to be your episode. This is your topic, and I'm I'm looking forward to learning. Today, we are talking about water testing, water chemistry testing, and Joe has over 20 years of experience in this exact discipline. I do not. So this is episode 44. This is going to be a 101 level class, and I'll try to do my best to maybe keep the conversation from going into 201 too much because that's kind of how it goes. Like we, we like to spider and on the Pool Your Pool podcast, but we will have another episode of the more advanced issues with water testing. So Joe, is there anything you want to add before we go into it? No, I'm pretty excited about it. Let's get going. All right, let's go. Welcome to Rule Your Pool, the podcast by Arenda that explains and simplifies pool chemistry so that anybody, regardless of experience, can understand it. I'm your host, Eric Knight, bringing clarity to these subjects so that you can bring clarity to your water. If you're ready to rule your pool, then let's go. All right, so welcome to this episode of Rule Your Pool podcast, where we're going to talk about water testing. And this is an important topic to me because I spent a lot of time seeing it from a bunch of different angles in my previous career. And I think it gets lost a lot of times just how important it is and how critical it is to what we're trying to do in our daily maintenance of swimming pools. And you've seen this, I'm sure, Eric, because, you know, we at Arenda get to go out and see a lot of pools. Mm -hmm. It's great to be able to do that. But can you really get a good measure of what's happening when you go to a problem pool or when you're doing a startup in particular if you don't know what the water chemistry is? No, but you can look at it. I mean, but but it's, you have no idea what the chemistry is. It's water looks like water. Absolutely. And so that's why it's so important, so important to test the water and understand what's going on. And there's a few reasons why we test the water, right? And first and foremost is you want to make sure that the bathers, swimmers in the pool are protected. There are what they call recreational water illnesses, RWIs, bacteria, protozoa, those things that can come into the pool and you can get sick swimming in the pool if it's not properly sanitized and disinfected. So we test the chlorine or other sanitizers and make sure first and foremost, we're protecting the swimmers that are going in there. Second, and probably at least as important is we are testing to make sure that the pool is protected. It's a very expensive piece of equipment. The, the pool itself is, you know, whether it's a plaster or vinyl or, you know, fiberglass pool, you're protecting that surface, that system, you're protecting the equipment on it, the heaters, the pumps, the filters, right. all of those things can be damaged by poor water chemistry. Mm-hmm. And it's a very expensive mistake if you've got water chemistry that's damaging those things. So yeah, we- you can spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on it. We talk about the two sides of water chemistry a lot, not only on this podcast, but in our blog, that there's sanitization, which is the first thing you said. And you're right. In season, that is the most important thing because it's safety, it's health, it's cleanliness. But then there's balance. And balance has a lot more factors. I mean, sanitization basically has one, chlorination, right? And pH if there's no cyanuric acid. But So that would be two. 
but balance has a lot. There's six factors to the LSI. So yeah, that that I agree with that priority list. Totally agree. Absolutely. With that. And you know, there's a third thing that we talk about sometimes, and that's the troubleshooting. And that's an important part of testing as well, because if you don't know what the water chemistry is, you don't know how to fix a problem. Amen you might to that. look at it and see it and see, you know, I look, I, I see this problem. I've got experience with it. I'm going to treat it like that. And then you come back and you've got the same problem again when you try to treat it the next time because you didn't understand the water chemistry. So, you know, always err on the side of give it an additional test. It's a very cheap insurance policy to make sure that you're getting a total diagnosis of the water. What does it cost to test, Eric? I mean, 50 oh, cents, yeah, a dollar less? I mean... Well, it depends on what you do. I mean, I know those discs are over a dollar a piece, but usually we're talking cents, fractions right. of a dollar for sure. It's very inexpensive compared to the problem that you're going to have if you have to fix a problem. Yes. And the problems very we see, Joe is, is being polite when he says we get to see a lot of pools. We get to see a lot of problem pools. And I mean a lot of problem pools. And pre-COVID, it was like an every week thing, almost an everyday thing. But even if we're not physically there to see it, we're seeing pictures of it. We're getting information. And uh, one of the things that really changed our business was the app because people can screenshot their chemistry. We need to know what the chemistry is of the water to be able to understand the story. Absolutely. And if we're helping with troubleshooting, it's going to be the first thing we say, what's the water chemistry? Mm -hmm. What does it look like? I mean, we might get a visual of it first of all, but you know, we're definitely asking at some point, what is that water chemistry? Because that'll help us to know what to do when we're trying to fix it. Absolutely. Like it will with you. And you know, one thing that I'll say about this is if you're new to water testing, if you're a new pool owner, if you're in it for the first or second year, you know, water testing is not difficult, but it is something that it requires a little bit of practice. It takes a little bit of time and effort to make sure you're good at it. So do it a couple times, do it a few times, you know, each time you test the water and then keep track of your test results. I can't stress that enough. If you, you know, for the first couple of years, keep track of your test results, keep a log. There are apps that'll help you to do that, but keep track of it and it will help you to understand what's going to happen in the water chemistry in years three and four and so on. You can get a lot better at predicting what it's gonna be and what it's gonna look like. So keep track of it. So we talk a lot about you know why we test and one of the questions that I got asked a lot at Hawk was, how often should I test? And that's, that's kind of a tricky question because you know, a lot of people say once a week, a lot of people will say twice a week. And I would say it depends. Um, I've seen a lot of scenarios where once a week testing is probably enough. Maybe it's a pool that doesn't get a lot of use. Maybe it's at the edges of the season where it's, you know, spring and fall and, you know, you're just not using it as much. The water's a little cooler. It's not changing as much. So once a week might be enough in those circumstances. But in season, when you're using the pool a lot and, you know, the kids are in there every other day or every day, testing the pool once a week is probably not going to be enough. You're probably going to need to test it twice or maybe three times a week. And getting back to that whole insurance policy, cheap, you know, testing thing, it doesn't cost you a lot of money to test the pool. And it certainly doesn't take a lot of time. So why not test it a little more often? I would lean on that side of it. Well, let's explore that because the pool professional is there once a week. And if it's a homeowner who's not a DIY homeowner, um, their pool is getting tested once a week. And and that's the reality of the pool service business, by the way. Absolutely. So it's sure. not necessarily a bad thing, but that person has to chlorinate once a week 
And so they're only able to test it once. So if you're listening to this, you're saying we should test it more than once in the summer. Elaborate. So here's the big difference, right, between a service guy and somebody who's doing it in their backyard, and that is the experience factor. Because these service guys testing once a week, they can probably have a pretty good picture of what's going to happen to that pool between visits, right? Between Mm -hmm. week to week and depending on the season, depending on the volume of use, depending on the environmental conditions. And so where you get into trouble, and we see this all the time, is when there are changes that the service guy doesn't know about. Yes. Hey, we're having a big pool party this weekend and nobody told the service guy, so he gets there the next week and it's destroyed. Well, you said it wrong. You said it wrong, Joe, because... Yeah, exactly. You said it wrong because it was like, oh, we had a big birthday party and you didn't know about it. (laughs) So fix it. And the service guy's pulling his hair out like, you've got to be kidding me. Like a heads up would have been nice. You know, I agree. That's where we see it all the time. But, you know, it's not just that. It's rain. It's, uh, you know, Mm. it might be forest fires in some areas. It might be. Um, you know, a bunch of leaves or grass clippings in the pool. It might be you live by a golf course and they decided that they were going to fertilize through the sprinkler system that week. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you might want to test the water again two or three times in a week. And it's those changes that are really important. It's, It's what's different from this week to this week that I didn't account for in my regular service routine. And that's where it starts to get tricky. And honestly, a, a good homeowner, and if you're a homeowner listening to this, thank you very much. But uh, a good homeowner is going to test a pool when they see something different or when they know that something has probably changed the water chemistry. That's the things that we've already talked about, but it also might be, hey, the water's just cloudy. The water doesn't look like it normally does. It's got a haze to it. I've got a oil slick looking thing on it. I've got um, animals were in the pool. We had a heavy rainstorm. You know, it's whatever. All of those things cause differences in the water chemistry and they can accelerate those changes that cause problems. So, you know, if you're a homeowner, test the pool more frequently. If you're a service guy, maybe talk to the homeowner about testing when you see those types of situations. It's a good idea to just have an understanding of what's going on in the pool when you're not there. Or ideally you're in communication with them about what might change that water chemistry. So they're not surprised when you come back and there's an issue from week to week because of these storms because of these heavy bather load situations, et cetera. So, so that begs the question then, because one of our big lessons at Arenda that we teach is do not helicopter parent your pool. That still applies here. I want to make that very clear. Testing absolutely. the water more than once a week in season is not the same thing as helicopter parenting a pool. Helicopter parenting a pool would be adjusting the pH three times a week or the alkalinity <laughs> or, ner- you know, nurturing little factors here and there up and down and trying to adjust, adjust, adjust. Testing more than once a week is so that you're aware of what your water is doing. You're not necessarily making changes to your water. Is that correct, Joe? Uh, That's absolutely correct, Eric. Absolutely. And, you know, you might need to make small changes, but you're definitely not going out and, and trying to do, you know, something every day and putting different chemicals in every day. That's just too much. It's well, just too much chasing of the chemistry. What I would say is usually if if you're going to add chemicals more than once a week, it's really only one chemical, and that's chlorine. Because For if sure. you are adjusting your pH more than once a week, it doesn't have time to reset naturally, and you're chasing pH. And as you know from listening to our podcast, we want you to contain pH, not control it. So you want to be aware of what's going on. But that brings me to my next question, Joe. 
what should a homeowner or, well, I guess we're going to stick with homeowners because we're talking multiple times a week. Pros can't do that. What should a homeowner be testing more than once a week? Yeah, that's a good question. And and really, you know, getting back to that conversation that you were having about the, the chlorine, the sanitizer, whatever it is that you're using, that, that certainly is the most important one. And that's the one that you probably have to keep a bigger eye on because of those environmental changes that we've been talking about. If you have, you know, a dramatic change in your pH for some reason or alkalinity or one of the other balance parameters, it's probably something that we're not talking about here. You know, I mean, it, it could be maybe there's, you know, some sort of flooding issue that you've got there. Maybe you're going through a hurricane or, you know, God forbid, something like that. And well, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about kind of the normal maintenance, the day to day things that you're going to see. And by and large, we're talking about the sanitizer levels mm-hmm. pretty much. Now, if you do have significant changes in the pH or, you know, one of the other parameters, probably a good idea to go ahead and, and make changes to it. But most of the time you're going to see that that trending that we talked about earlier where you're watching what the water does, you're going to watch it trend in a certain direction and you're going to see the pH kind of always drift up or you're going to see the alkalinity do a certain, you get used to these trends. And while you're seeing them over the course of that week, you're just watching what it does, but mostly you're checking in on the sanitizer level to make sure as people are using the swimming pool that they're not exposed to something that you don't want to be exposed to. And, and you can only see these trends if you actually log your chemistry. Absolutely. It's a great idea to do that. Really great idea to and do it's, that. And it's it's super cheap. Make an Excel spreadsheet if you don't want to print paper. It's totally fine. Yeah. And I know there are some testing apps that will do that for you. So you can just, you know, log the results in your testing app. So do it that way. So on a weekly basis, Joe, what should we be testing cuz uh, other than chlorine? I actually I don't mean to get ahead of you, but it, it that seems like the logical next step of this is That is definitely the next step. Yeah, so you know, what to test is pretty simple for the most part in in, when you're setting up the pool in the springtime and you're getting it ready you're going to test all the parameters that we're talking about in the saturation index the lsi and there are plenty of podcasts on that we're not going to get into that right now but we want to make sure that the water is balanced properly and sanitized properly so we are testing you know all of those parameters your free chlorine it's your ph alkalinity your cyanuric acid and your hardness you want to make sure that you get a read on all of those. Um, it's a good idea if you know what your phosphate level is. We, you know, have a phosphate remover. We believe strongly in that, and you know, we think that that's a great tool to be able to remove phosphates and you know fight the good battle with chlorine. Makes everything more efficient in your swimming pool. We also think you should know what the total dissolved solids is. And by the way, a good pool store will do those tests for you. You don't have to have a kit that does all these things. You can take a test once a month or something like that to a store and get those other parameters. If you're testing yourself, you need to test just a few things. You need to test your chlorine, you need to test your pH, and you need to test your alkalinity. And most of those other things, they're going to stay stable enough that if you get a test result once a month, good enough. Your hardness, your cyanuric acid, uh, your total dissolved solids, those things are things that don't have to be tested as often but you definitely want to keep an eye on them. And so you get them tested, whether you do it yourself or not, at least once a month. I'm going to add one to the list of the every week that, that we're not thinking about because you don't need a test kit for it. But it is an LSI factor that's neglected. What's that factor, Joe? That is temperature. 
You're right, Eric. Yep. We we didn't even get there, but that's a pretty simple one too, right? I mean, you just put a thermometer in the pool, so it's not Every like week. we're talking about anything difficult. Mm-hmm. Should have probably said that early on, but definitely because as your temperature changes, that changes the saturation index. Absolutely, and your baseline. Definitely moves. want to keep an eye on that for sure. And people don't realize just how important that is. Go download our app and play with it a little bit and just see how important it is. And you'll see that it changes the chemistry significantly when you have temperature changes. Mm-hmm. So definitely go play with that. So I um, agree with you. I agree with you on that, that, you know, the the cyanuric acid, the calcium hardness, the TDS, they're not really going to change that profoundly. At least they shouldn't. Well, an exception to that, of course, is if you're feeding a bunch of trichlor tabs into your pool, your CYA goes up. But on a normal basis, those numbers stay pretty consistent over the course of a month, uh, or at least predictable. So you don't necessarily have to test them every single week. I wouldn't. I mean, that's just extra time. And if you're using a test kit that isn't doing everything at once, that's a lot of time in the backyard. I mean, it, it's just, it gets a little bit overwhelming. So I agree with you on that. I would absolutely also agree that you should do your alkalinity every week. And a lot of people are like, oh, no, no, I know what the alkalinity is. No, you don't. Do not tell me you know what the alkalinity is unless you are following a program that the pH is contained and you're not chasing it. If you know that, yes, you probably do know what your alkalinity is because your water is predictable. But the traditional method of managing water, you have no idea what your alkalinity is because you don't know how much acid you just added because you went by a habit and you could have a very different alkalinity than you think. So... Good, good stuff here. I agree with you on what should be tested weekly versus monthly. Yeah. And then there are some other tests that you do when you have a problem. You know, if you've got, if you've got a problem with the pool, if the chemistry is off and something's just not right, whether it's cloudy water, or you get algae outbreak or one of those things, you probably should test everything, have everything tested. It doesn't hurt. And, you know, you get a better picture then of the, what the water quality looks like, but there are also a few tests that can help troubleshoot. So there are tests for metals like your iron and copper and a lot of times you see you know stain and scale from those things there are nitrate tests that can help kind of predict what the the you know demand of the water might be or if you've got a bigger problem with you know the the different things coming into the swimming pool and you know there are other tests that that you can do if you're maintaining a different type of sanitizer like bromine or biguanide and we're not talking about those things here but know that if you're using a different sanitizer those are important tests that you're going to do on a mm-hmm. weekly basis as well. So, you know, that troubleshooting test is all about trying to figure out what's going wrong. And if you don't know what you're doing there, take it to a pool store or your service guy or whatever, and they'll help to troubleshoot that for you. So that's kind of the the things that we think that you should be testing. The one thing that we didn't talk about at all, and that is salt. Um, you know, it is part of the total dissolved solids, but if you have a salt pool, you probably want to be looking at that on at least a monthly basis as well, because those salts kind of add up as you're putting other chlorines in, et cetera. And you want to make sure that your chlorine generator is optimally running. So keep an eye on that salt level if you do have a salt chlorine pool. Well, they can also dilute with rain. So uh, when you when you look at salt on the Arenda app, it says salt slash TDS. We do get this question a lot, so I'll address it once again. You're supposed to put in your TDS. The reason it says salt is a lot of people forget about salt if they have a salt pool and they don't know what their TDS is, so they just ignore the number. If you have a salt pool, you definitely need to put in at least your salt plus your calcium and your alkalinity to get to the TDS. But if you have a TDS pen or a, a wand or a electronic way to measure TDS, I believe they have a test strip that does TDS. Get you close. Do. It does matter. It does help 
uh, get more accurate on the LSI. Uh, so it's definitely worth doing. But the other reason we have the word salt on the Arenda app is because it is a dosing calculator. So if you're adding salt, you can change the TDS from left to right, and you can add TDS on the right side, meaning add salt, and it'll tell you how many pounds of salt that takes. So I just wanted to interject that. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's talk about for a minute, the different types of tests that are out there, because that's something that, you know, I came from a company that manufactured liquid kits and test strips and some instruments. So I got to see a lot of it. Um, but there are a lot of different ways that you can test the water. And oftentimes we're asked, you know, what should I be using? And that's a tough question to answer because what you should be using is really what gives you the best results, what you're comfortable using. There are some pretty sophisticated pieces of equipment out there that if you don't use them right, you're not getting a good test result. I mean, heck, even using a simple liquid kit, if you don't understand how to use that correctly, you're not going to get good test results. So, you know, let's start there. I think the most common method that we see still is probably liquid test kits. And, um, it's a great way to test the water if you're testing the right way and you're making sure that you're following the instructions. And I can't say that enough. Read the instructions, you know, whether you're a 25 year seasoned service industry guy or you're a brand new homeowner, read the instructions, you know, make sure that something hasn't changed because changes do happen even in the old traditional liquid kits. But you might pick up something that you just forgot about. You might pick up a little tip in there that they're putting in as a tip now because people make the mistake all the time of doing it wrong. So, you know, just just doing that can save you a lot of headache. But it is a pretty simple way to test the water. It takes a little bit of time. And, you know, there's pros and cons to doing it. But you can usually get a pretty accurate and precise result using a liquid test kit, whether it's a tailor kit or a um, Lamotte or whoever's liquid test kit, you know, you can get a pretty good result doing that. I think the gold standard is really the, the Taylor, you know, 2005 kind of this commercial kit, whatever. Um, but there are many options for those. Then there are test strips. Test strips are a quick and easy way to get a quick check of the water. They're great for a homeowner. If you're a homeowner listening to this, that's a great way to test the water and just make sure on a regular basis that you're in the in the acceptable range for keeping the water safe. Um, and they really work pretty well as a quick check. If you're a service guy listening here and you're using a test strip, great. You know, I think that's a great way to get a quick check of the water, but I would say you better have a backup method too, because if something doesn't look right and you're outside the range or you're trying to get the LSI dialed in and you can't get, you know, what's the difference between hundred and 200 or 250 on the hardness scale, pretty hard to tell that on a test strip but you can get it dialed down a lot better on a liquid kit. So have have both, you know, kind of use a hybrid model. And then there's a, the next step, which is electronics. And there's a lot of different electronics that are out there. And we've seen kind of an emergence of some new technology that seems to work pretty well. Um, and you're talking about things like the spin lab, the, uh, the pool test, colorimeters, spectrophotometric testing, in some cases, sensors. Unfortunately, you can't do chlorine with a sensor, at least not yet. You can do ORP, which kind of gets you close. There's a whole wormhole we can go down with that. Oh, but, yeah. Maybe um, in 201. It's, uh, this is it's a little It's a little complicated. So, you know, if you're looking for an instrument, there are instruments that do multiple tests at once, and it's all about time savings and, you know, getting a little bit more precision out of your test. So you kind of have to weigh that balance that out with how much you're willing to spend per test per test kit 
Those investments are pretty expensive when you look at some of the instruments that are out there. A lot of the service industry has adopted some of that methodology. Um, and if you use it well, take care of your test kit, everything can work really well for you. But the optimum thing there is taking care of your test kit, right? Make sure that you're storing it the way it's supposed to be stored. Make sure that you clean the things that are supposed to be cleaned. Make sure that you follow the directions. Again, can't say that enough, but you know, making sure that you're taking good care of your test, whatever it is, yes. is very important. Yes. I was going to say that, uh, in the six bad habits program that we teach, I believe that's the third of the six. Like it's the third highest priority bad habit that we see is neglected test kits. And what Joe's saying is absolutely right. Clean vials, keep your kit from overheating or from freezing, put it in the cab of your truck, not the bed of your truck in the hot sun all day. These sort of things really do affect the accuracy and reliability of these tests. Calibrate your electronic test kits. Make sure that if you're using test strips, you don't put wet fingers into the bottle to pull one out. Instead, you lay it out and you, you shake it out and pull it from the bottle so that moisture doesn't get in there and ruin all the test strips. We see these things all the time, Joe. And you've seen the test the stuff a lot more than I have. But, I mean, how many times have you been in the backyard and they're testing something like alkalinity and you just know that's not right? I mean, it happens to me quite a bit. Testing something like, yeah, no, your water's not that way. Sure enough, I bring my test kit out and I get an accurate reading because I take care of my test kit. I don't let my, my reagents expire or anything like that. So um, 100%, make sure you take care of your test kit. I, I would argue it's probably the most valuable tool in your truck aside from your smartphone. Yeah, it's, a, it's very valuable. I mean, it's, it is your little insurance to make sure that you know what's going on in the swimming pool. How do you know how to adjust the water chemistry if you don't know what the water chemistry is to begin with? It's incredibly difficult to fly by the seat of your pants and maintain a decent swimming pool, let alone one that's not going to affect the surfaces and equipment in there. Yeah. A prescription without a proper diagnosis is called malpractice. You might want yeah. to have good That's diagnosis. Great. I like that. <laughs> yeah. You like that? I didn't come up with so, it. I've heard it somewhere, but I'm going to take credit for it now. I like it. Yeah. We'll give you credit this time. All right. So we test so, the water. We do all this stuff. Now what? Yeah. That's a, that's a great question because, you know, you want to make sure, first of all, that when you're doing the testing that you feel comfortable with the test result. That's first and foremost, you know, if something doesn't look right, test again. If the colors don't match up, test again. And if they continue to not be right, probably go get another fresh set of reagents or another bottle of test strips. Again, we're talking about pennies compared to the amount of money that you'll spend on a real problem. So get comfortable with the test that you have and make sure that you understand what the water chemistry is. Once you've got that test result, now you know what to do to the water. Now we can make a proper diagnosis. Now we can, if you're uh, you know, following along with us, put it into the Arenda app and calculate the LSI and see where you're at. And that's, you know, the easy part is figuring out how much of what to add because there's an app for that. The testing is is more difficult because, you know, if you're doing it yourself or your service guy's doing it or, you know, you haven't done it at the pool store, that that test result is important and doing it right is very important. So make sure you trust the person doing the test. If that person is you, get good at it. And uh, it doesn't take very much effort to do that. And by season two or three, I promise you, you're going to be a seasoned expert at testing. So don't feel bad when the testing doesn't go right in year one or even year two. Not a big deal. You'll fix it. You'll get better at it. 
that test log will help a lot. So all of those things are, are really important to this whole testing picture. Make sure that it's as important to you as it is to us. You know, we, we talk about it because it's how you figure out what's wrong with your pool, how you figure out the direction that it's going, how you figure out how much of what to add. It's all based on the testing. Right so on. figure that out, get good at it, and uh, come back for 201. That way we can talk about the things that might be problems with those test kits and the little interferences that you might see. And, and the mistakes. If you're a, you know, service guy that, that wants to really understand all the testing stuff, come back and we'll talk about that on the next episode. All right. Very good. Joe Swayze, thank you so much. This has been episode 44 of the Rule Your Pool podcast. Stay tuned next week for episode 45, which will be Water Testing 201. I'm your host, Eric Knight, with Arenda. Well, Joe's with Arenda, too. I don't want to you know, exclude you from it. You did a great job, Joe. Uh, Thanks, as always, if you find that this is valuable, please share the podcast. And if you have questions or topics that you would like us to cover on the show or at the very least answer for you, reach out to us, info at arendatech.com. You can comment in the links below. You can also reach us directly through the Arenda app. We will see you in the next episode of the Rule Your Pool podcast. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Rule Your Pool, a podcast by Arenda Technologies. For more information on what we discussed in this week's episode, check the links in the description or visit www.arendatech.com. I hope you find this show valuable enough that you tap that subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can also like us on Facebook and social media. And with our help, you'll be able to rule your pool without over-treating it with chemicals and wasting money. I'll see you next episode. 